understanding men from a woman's point of view or understanding men as a woman. This is our conversation today. For those of you who are new to the Uncivilized podcast, my name is Trevor Bohm. I'm the founder of the Uncivilized Movement and the author of the books, Today I Rise and Man Uncivilized. And I get men. I understand men. I know how men tick. I think I've been giving some unique insight into the male world. And I'm always very curious to sit down with female men's coaches and get their opinion and get their experience and get their unique lens of working with us. Why? Because we're different. Uh, I know that's not popular in 2022, but we like sort of are just a teeny, eeny, weeny bit different. And so today I sit down with Elise Michaels, who's a very well-known men's coach, and talk to her about her process of working with men, what she understands about working with men, how we tick and how we operate from her perspective. And this was a really enlightening conversation for me, even though I am a men's coach and I am a dude. Uh, so I know you're going to get a lot of value out of this, whether you are a man or whether you are not a man. Uh, we're going to dive into some of the underlying challenges and underlying motivations that so many men have and how we're, we're kind of not like we're kind of screwing those up or from time to time we're screwing those up or how they come to the surface in ways that we may not know how to skillfully navigate, right? What happens when the dude at 48 decides that he's going to have a midlife crisis or ends up having a midlife crisis, not decides, but ends up like wanting to buy the Porsche and date the 19-year-old and start going clubbing. Like what's going on with that guy? Why, why is a midlife crisis such a common phenomenon? So Elise and I dive into this. She's an absolute gem. I love this woman, love her opinion, really respect the work that she does. And I know you will too. So for all of you rabid, uncivilized fans. Thank you so much. I love you. I appreciate you. And without further ado, Elise Michaels. Elise Michaels, welcome to the Uncivilized Podcast. Uh, I have been secretly online stalking you for a little while. So this is truly a pleasure. Uh, thanks for joining me and my audience. Absolutely. Thanks for admitting that you were stalking me. <laughs> we'll just start with some honesty. It's always nice that we call it secret admiring. At least for people who don't know you, don't know what you do in the world, would you mind giving us a little background on you? Absolutely. I'm a men's mental health coach and I help guide men through a trauma-informed container to become better fathers, spouses, and men in general. Beautiful. And tell me, how did this come into your life or what, what was the thought process behind specifically for you as a woman working with men? Yeah. So I get this question a lot and I want to preface by, it was never my intention actually to be a men's coach. I didn't just like look at men and be like, Hey, you are fucked up and I need to like fix you. <laughs> that was not the intention. Um, I started my business as a woman's coach and I was posting my content mm -hmm. on LinkedIn but what I found was no women were reaching out to me for help. It was only mm. men sending me messages saying they really resonated with the content and asking if I could help them. And I really didn't know. And I felt like really insecure about it. Like, I don't know if I can help you. I don't. But I took the label of myself of like woman versus man and understood I know how to help people through pain. Sure. I understand trauma. I understand how these mm. things work. So like, let's try it. And mm. once I started, I realized how little support men actually had in mental health. Mm. And I just full blown was like, you know what? I'm going to open up the doors and be this person, be the support system. And I studied the problems men go through, the way that men learn. And I've been doing it ever since. And it's the best decision I ever made. 
amazing. And thank you for doing it. Are you a therapist? Can I ask? I'm not a therapist. Okay. I'm just a coach. I'm mm -hmm. trauma therapy trained, but yep. no degrees, no medical advice. Yeah. Take this, take this as <laughs> no educational medical advice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what do you see as one of the main challenges with men? This must be, you know, I want to frame this with guys, you get an, a peek behind the curtain here. I am a man, so I can tell you some of our challenges, but I'm curious what specifically you're seeing, especially now post-pandemic, where it feels like the, the landscape has changed a bit. Yeah, so there are repeated patterns that I see men struggle with. Obviously, the societal norm of men not showing emotions holds them back in a variety of different ways. It forces them more into the logic brain. It forces them to forego their own intuition, which forces them to forgo their own desires, their draw towards their own purpose and passion. And I find that's why they end up in the midlife crisis because it's at that point in time where, you know, mortality starts to become a reality and they start looking at life and being like, when have I lived? Ooh. And everything gets shaken up. Right. Is that the group that usually is finding you? Is it yes. guys in their mid forties, early fifties? Yes. Okay. And I think that's, I mean, I don't know if you want to know why, but I think it's because, you know, when you're in your twenties for any men or women, we're not thinking about, <laughs> we're not thinking about the future so much. We're just thinking about the present as far as like, what do I need to do almost to survive in the eyes of society? Yeah. And later on in life we go, what do I do to make myself happy to maximize the rest of the life that I might have? Mm. Elise, can I ask you, I'm going to ask you a personal question. I'm going to ask you a number of personal questions. All right. And I'm just really so you know, I tend to get the question, <laughs> get to the question I want to ask by fumbling through like four to get there. So I'm, I'm curious, personally, did you have some kind of, you know, inciting incident or dark night of the soul or something that brought you out of the societal box? Uh, my whole childhood. <laughs> okay. um, yeah, I had a pretty dysfunctional childhood and okay. My goal was never to be like a coach or anything like that. But at 25, I had like a relationship end that I really loved. And I was like, I got to stop repeating these patterns. I was already mm -hmm. in self-development and self-help. Mm -hmm. And I was in the mindset similar to men where I can do everything myself. Extremely self-sufficient because of my childhood having to basically do everything alone. And I love my parents and, and I love my family, did the best I could. But I was alone so much of the time mm -hmm. that I just became extremely independent. Didn't think I needed anyone else. Thought I was fine. Yeah. And then I just finally noticed that these <clears throat> patterns were repeating. Um, mm -hmm. But then I also noticed that therapy still didn't solve the problem for me. And that's when I dove into neuroscience and trauma therapy and relationship science. And I like dove hard and figured yeah. out there actually is a logical step-by-step -step process that you can use to heal when you understand the brain, when you understand the mind-body connection. And it was just mm -hmm. life-changing for me. And that was the moment where I said, I got to help people not yeah. waste as much time as I did. Ooh, thank you for sharing that. Let's come back to these guys who have suddenly realized that they're not 25 anymore. They're not going to live another 60, 70 years. And they actually give a shit about the experience that they're having. What are some of the steps in that process? Just, and I'm asking this in case someone listening can go, oh, wow, okay. I, I didn't know how to frame this. I didn't know how to put structure around it. I just thought, wow, at 48, I quote, got depressed. At 52, I quote, started doing cocaine or wanting to go out again like a teenager. 
What are some of the patterns that you see in these men? When you're going through a midlife crisis, let's just call it that. And you can have this, I think, at different periods in your life where it's just a big change is coming to you. You're often going to experience an extreme pendulum swing Mm. because what you desire is often what you were denying. So if you are unaware of this, that's when it will destroy you, right? We go heavy into the drugs or the porn or the sex because we denied ourselves porn or experience or sex or whatever it is. And then we swing into an extreme and then we think, oh my God, I'm addicted to this. I have a problem. When actually those things aren't the problem, they're Mm. the symptoms. And so being aware, maybe before you go into the extremes or during this process is understanding that a pendulum swing is normal. Mm. Going into extremes is normal because you're, you're in lack, right? But you can prepare for it by dedicating small amounts of time to yourself each day and starting mm. to bring balance and focusing on um, being satisfied in healthy ways, as mm. opposed to just fulfilling it with these extremes, because the extremes are never what we want either. Right. They're just to satiate a thirst that we've had for a long time. Mm. So is it, if, if you're working with a guy, is it about getting him to recognize what's underneath the desire got it 48. I just started wanting to go to the club. You're like, well, I don't think you want to go to the club. What's, is it really getting him to see like, Oh, I want to be, I want validation. I want novelty. I want excitement. I want energy. What's, what's kind of the, your process of peeling back the layers to get to the truth. So you don't have a client that's like, no, really, I just at 48 love the club. Cause I don't think think a lot of guys do. I think people know that they don't actually love the club. (laughs) No one had said that to you. No one's like, no, I actually just really like, I love porn. It's a documentary. The storyline is like, I'm all for it. No one actually says it, right? They know what it's for. And like you had brought up in the beginning, um, you said, I'm sure men tell you things as a woman that they might not tell me, right? Mm -hmm. So usually when men come to me, they are seeking someone to be vulnerable with Mm. and to finally admit to themselves and to someone else why they're going to the club, right? Okay, okay. The space I create is one where men can feel safe to reveal Mm. to themselves the truth about what Mm. is going on and what they're Mm. going through. So it's not like I really have to pull out so much. I can point right. out why they're looking for the validation. That's what I do is I get to the root cause of like, okay, you already know you feel like you need validation. You want attention here. Like, let's dive into why. Mm. Yeah. One of, one of my favorite sentences from men specifically is I've never said this out loud. And that's when I know whatever the next sentence is, his life's going to be forever changed from that moment just for the admittance, just for it going from living in his head and living in his chest to boof. Okay, now it's out there in the world. I, I don't want you obviously to, to out a, a private conversation, but I would love if, you, if you're open to it, to sharing some of the reasons men do say, hey, this is, this is what nobody knows. This is what I actually want to be sharing as the truth. I'm really glad that you asked this. I'm not going to obviously out any clients, but I speak with, I've spoken with hundreds of men, right? And 
men really push a lot of things down. And so there are things like childhood abuse that happen either from private schools or parents or, you know, um, physical abuse that happen from parents that they don't want to say because the generation of boomers, it was normal to beat your kids as a form of discipline, right? And they didn't call it beating them or they did call it, but it was like normal, right? What's normal isn't always acceptable in society. And we didn't understand how much of a market leaves on people. Mm, for um, sure. There's also a lot of like parental abandonment, right? No father or no mother or no, no good father or mother figure, narcissistic mm. mothers. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of, of pain that is just created in childhood. And it's important um, to acknowledge that all of this is created in childhood because childhood is what creates the template for us, right? It's not like you don't need to go back to your worst memories and we don't need to scan the entire childhood, but understanding the relationship dynamics and how you were set up to survive in this world, how you were set up to gain love and appreciation and validation is going to determine your relationships, how you work, how you see yourself, how you operate in the world. And so once you understand that, you can change everything. Elise, would you mind giving, this is super important, so I want to follow this thread. Would you mind giving, even if it's a fictitious example, but an example for a guy of perhaps how the, the parent dynamic or parental dynamic, and we don't, we're not going to go to the ends of extreme, but just the quote, normal 70s, 80s childhood parent relationship, how that could set a guy up for challenges later on. And pardon me, I have my, someone just decided to come mow my lawn right now, which is awesome. (laughs) Um, So here is like, I don't want to say a stereotypical example, because I don't know every family in the US, but this is like a common story that I've heard is either both parents are there, but there's not a lot of affection that's shown in the household. Dad's usually working, comes home, watches a TV, but doesn't acknowledge the son's presence or doesn't tell him he's proud of him, doesn't show affection. They don't say, I love you. They don't really hug. And it's, so this is like a really great example because it's, there's no physical abuse. There's not really any like verbal abuse, but there's no verbal expression of love. There's no demonstration of how a loving relationship is like. There's no demonstration of how to connect. And so that sets a man up really ill because he goes in the world with just function and not connection. Mm. And so he will marry a woman based upon just function. Right. And there's, there's no intimacy there. Like there might be sex, but there's no intimacy. And then they just kind of live their life on autopilot, very blah. There's no passion. There's no desire. Um, and so these are the men who wake up and they're like, I I'm depressed. I don't have any goals. I don't have any passions. I was never set up to connect with someone or they end up um, having infidelity because somebody comes along who like shows them that life can be wild and crazy. And they've never felt this before. Mm. And this isn't just the seventies and eighties. This is something that happens now and currently. Sure. Yeah. It's, I appreciate it. It's so helpful to see. I think one of the challenges men have is that then I'll speak personally it wasn't until I was 40 that I realized, and this was, I'm an intelligent guy. I have a master's degree. And at 40, it was like, wait a minute, things that happened in my past may affect me now. <laughs> and it was like, oh, and I felt like a dumbass for not having recognized that concept and probably would have argued the opposite. I'm like, hey, you know what? I was 10. 
It doesn't fucking matter. I'm 40. Yep. And, yep, yep. and yet, so I think drawing the conclusion from, from past to present, what do we do with men in that situation? Because it feels like there's also a societal pressure. I don't feel a lot of pressure as a man to connect. I do as someone in this space and in the conscious space, but I didn't in the first half of my life. No one was like, hey, remember, it's all about connection. It was, I don't give a fuck what you feel, how you think. You got to go do. You got to go build. So with the men that you're working with, what's step one to untangle themselves from one, a childhood where all they saw modeled was function, and then they get kicked out into a world that celebrates function? I'm so glad you brought this up. And I want to go back to the beginning part of what you said a little bit. I thought the same thing. And I think I have a like more of a masculine energy. I was like, I'm fine. I'm happy. And it wasn't until I turned 25 and I had that big collapse that I was like, maybe I'm not okay. Like maybe I should look at this. And I didn't think that there was anything wrong with my childhood until I started like talking to someone about it. And they're like, that's not normal. Or, you know, and, and the, the thing is, even if you had a quote unquote normal childhood or you were happy, no person is perfect. So no sure. parent is going to be perfect. And our parents are going to leave with us templates that just might not benefit us anymore. So even mm -hmm. if you don't think that there was anything wrong with your childhood, your parents might've been awesome. It's still good to look at because it's right. created the template and pattern for which you are now operating. And if you don't like something in your life and you see it as a pattern, there's something there that you can't see, yeah. right? So just, just looking spot. at that, like just because you're looking at it doesn't mean something's wrong with you and it doesn't mean something's wrong with your parents. It just means sure. you're trying to do the best you can for you. The next thing I would say is going back to connection where society tells men to just build, 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 build. It, it leaves out the fact that connection is like the glue, right? It's the cement. You're building a brick house without any cement, eventually that's going to fall over. You think it's a stable, steady structure, but there's nothing holding it together. Connection will help you build. Connection will help the build be strong and sufficient and functional. Mm -hmm. And so at least how do you, how do you, what's step one for these guys? Because I'll have a lot of guys that say, one, look at my life, look at all that I've built. And I'll point directly to like, I know, but you called me because you say you feel empty. You mm -hmm. called me because you say like, I could build 10 X this and it's, it's not solving the challenge that I feel. How do we, how do you start to navigate men into a, into, I, that's the best way to ask this into an appreciation or an understanding of the potency and necessity of connection? Hard to say like, what is step one, right? Sure. Because when I'm on a call with a man, and like you said, he's, he's there for a reason. So I always give him the table first of like, why are you here? Mm. Right? Like, what are you unsatisfied with your life? If you had an ideal life, what would it look like? And then I can start to point out, okay, these are, these are the areas that we're missing. Mm. And usually it's always disconnection from self and personal desire, because as much as he's built, he's done it for everybody else. Mm. He's done it to raise the eyes of himself in society, but it's not his passion. It's not his purpose. And it's fine to build something without a passion and a purpose. But if you are continually pouring from an empty cup, you're going to become empty. Mm -hmm. Right. So at that point, the step one is how do we start to pour back into ourselves? Mm -hmm. We don't have to abandon our life. We don't have to completely change everything, but we do need to start pouring back into ourselves 
And then you will expand time. You will have more energy to do the things that you're doing. You will have Mm -hmm. just a better outlook on life. Like everything starts to change when we change. Mm -hmm. So many people come into these sessions, I'm sure with you too, is like, the problem is with my wife. The problem is with my kids. The problem is with my boss. They're all dicks or they don't, they're not intimate with me. And we always look at everybody else as like, these are the things I'm unhappy with in my life. And we have to just draw it back to self of like, okay, those are the things you're unhappy with, but what are you doing to either attract or cause or tolerate or, you know, enable these things to happen. And when we change our perspective and our personality and our, you know, we don't have to change our personality, but you know, when we change everything changes and we don't have to focus on changing everything else. Mm. I love it. I, I completely agree with you. So I, I absolutely appreciate this. Hope you guys are loving this conversation with Elise. If you haven't had a chance to check out my kill the nice guy course, fellas, please do this. Go to manuncivilized.com forward slash kill the nice guy and check out the six week course. It's done on your own time at your own pace, but we've now run hundreds and hundreds of men through this course and the testimonials that we've gotten back are mind-boggling so please go check that out manuncivilized.com kill the nice guy all right back to elise have you found it's it's challenging to get men to understand the idea of pouring back into themselves and the the part b of that question is if not how do you do it in a way that doesn't just become kind of the new age Like it's all about me slant of that. I feel like there is a little bit of narcissism in the new age movement of the new age idea of like, I need four hours of self-care a day and I can walk out on my responsibilities because it's my truth. So how do you balance, especially with men who I I do, I do like a 12 week program and and the seventh week is self-care. And I will literally have, this is my favorite email I've ever gotten. Fuck you. You fucking fuck. When it was, uh, hey, I need you guys to like go out and get a massage, like do, do stuff for yourselves. It was so confronting to these guys. So how do you inspire that? I don't know if even self-care is the right word. Pouring back into themselves without falling off the cliff of it. Well, I think men are very resistant, like you said, to doing things for themselves. Yeah, for sure. So if someone is so resistant, it's it, they don't just naturally go from one end to the other. I think the people who are inclined to the narcissism are just more narcissistic, but it is, I do find that men struggle with taking time for themselves. I try to get them to build it incrementally into every day Mm -hmm. in short bursts so that they don't just check it off the list as like, okay, this is a task I've done, but actually building it into their lives and understanding that you don't need to like earn rest, or you don't need to Mm. earn time for yourself. This time is for you to make yourself a priority so that you understand that you are the foundation for the building. And if you're not healthy, your family's not healthy, your spouse isn't healthy. Like you're trying to do all these things for everybody else, but you're not present. You're Mm. thinking about business all the time. It's running into your personal life. You're not intimate with your spouse. You're not connecting like you're super unhappy. So at the time that they come to me, they already know they're super unhappy. They already know they're disconnected. So usually they're willing to try anything, right? They're kind of like beaten down the perfect place I need them to be in order to start this process. (laughs) But the people who are the most resistant, I just made a post about this yesterday, are ones who have really survived off of control and Mm. being analytical because they come into this space like with the intention to be better and do better, but they want to do it their way. 
Right. And they will resist things that are not a checklist. They mm. resist things that like, they can't just be like, okay, I did this and now I'm better. Right. Because having time for yourself is also letting go mm. and releasing and learning how to detach from all of the societal expectations. Mm-hmm. So are those guys, is it a lack of trust? Is it a, a fear that if I actually start pouring into myself, I can't control the, the tertiary downstream outcome? What's, yes. what's at the head of their resistance? I found that, and I might not be correct, but I found that people who really, really want and need control have a lack of tr- like a trust sure. in themselves and in outcomes. But the thing about the control is that the things they're trying to control anyway, they don't have control over. It's just an illusion of safety and illusion of security, but that illusion of safety and security has gotten them through life. Mm -hmm. So it's hard to say to someone, Hey, give me your safety net, give me your safety blanket. So it's kind of pointing out that like, Hey, you like actually don't have control over these things. And when you let go of the control, all you're actually doing is letting go of the anxiety around the situation. Okay. And when you let go of the anxiety around the situation, you understand that everything works out anyway, because you can only control what you can control. Sure. But that's a biggie, mm-hmm. right? And especially, I'd say, especially for men. One of the interesting pieces, I had about 40 guys together this past weekend. And one of the more honest pieces that they all shared was the weight of responsibility that they feel like they carry for their families. And I'm not saying that women don't carry weight of responsibility, but specifically they were diving into, like my biggest fear is that I'm gonna quote, fuck this up, or I'm gonna let her down, or I'm not gonna show up fully, or I'm whatever it was. And I, I get that and, and want to balance that though with, you know, I hate the line cause it's from a song, but like we all are one phone call from our knees or we're one trip to the supermarket before our entire life changes forever. So how do we how do we couple that? How do we marry that with men and say like I get it. You you do actually have a lot of responsibility. You do hold the space and the container and the protection and the safety of your family, of your business, of your life. And yet we're still going to ask you to let go of control. We're still going to ask you to take your hands off the wheel a little bit here. How do you marry those two? Well, let me ask you if you felt like you as a man could actually talk about your struggles with responsibility or the anxieties you're having that day or the emotions that are cropping up for you. Do you think that would just make it seem like the responsibility wasn't as difficult to bear or is this still the same? It would definitely take some of the charge out of it. I think anytime someone says like, hey, I have issue A. And the guy next to him's like, I have issue A too. And you're like, cool. Well, oh, I'm not alone. I'm not the, just to be seen and heard uh, in that space. I think is is wildly valuable, but it's it's only half the equation, right? It's, Why is it only half the equation? What's the other half? I think the other half would be navigating the day-to-day, like the balance of the control and responsibility. Because sure, I want to be seen. I want to be heard. I want to be recognized for having an issue or having a challenge, but that doesn't inherently solve the challenge or it doesn't inherently and shift the challenge. Like awareness of the fact that 
you know, I am aware that I have food allergies. That doesn't make them, I still can't eat wheat without my fucking throat closing. That makes sense? Yes, but I'm, I guess I'm just confused at like, because men are going to have responsibilities no matter what, just like women are going to have responsibilities no matter what. So are we talking about how do we ease the pain of responsibility or the weight that it holds? I'd say, how do we take the grip of control that is, even if it's a false idea of like, hey, I have control over everything. All I have to do is squeeze my hand as hard as I can. How, how do we release the grip of control while still acknowledging that the hand has to stay on the wheel? Mm. Yes. Okay. Thank you for explaining that further. Because then if we're looking at just the control aspect when it comes to responsibility, we go back to what I seem to find the root of like what control is, Mm. which is like the fear of like fucking it up, like you said. And what is the fear of fucking up? The fear of like looking stupid in front of everybody. Mm. The fear of how am I going to appear in society? The fear of not being a man. And that is the threat. So that is the grip on control. So if you can dismantle the idea that you're not going to be less of a man, even if you do fuck it up. Right. Right. Or that you can't fuck up being a man if you fuck it up. Right. Then the control loses its, its power because what do you need to control then besides your own personal, like, because the thing is like, here's, here's a comparison that I used yesterday. Many men who are so in the grips of control will sit there and think of a million different scenarios for what's going to happen without enough necessary information. Because usually it involves a business partner or a spouse or a children. And they're trying to think of like all these different ways that they can win this solution or come with the perfect solution. They haven't, it's like trying to win a game of chess without moving any pieces, you know? So they will put themselves in a spiral without having any actual information. And then they stay there and stay there and stay there and then have a freaking breakdown. Right. Well, you need to move a piece. And the only way you can move a piece is to understand what do I have control of? What do I have control of right now? Mm-hmm. The only thing that you can do because somebody else is playing the game. Mm-hmm. And as much as you're good at chess, you still can literally not predict. You can be good at it, right. but you can't predict the next move. Right. And all you can do is move your piece and then a- analyze again and then move your next piece and then mm-hmm. analyze again. Right. That's a brilliant analogy, a brilliant analogy. Thank you. <laughs> uh, and I've, I've spoken to both people who are very good at chess and I've spent my life in jujitsu and the hardest opponents for both are beginners because they don't follow the patterns. They don't yeah. follow, like if I go left, you're supposed to go right. They don't. And so it's, yeah, I think it's a really, really great analogy. At least can we well, shift? If, go ahead, please. Oh, yeah, please. go ahead. Oh, oh, I was just going to add on to that. Is that the thing with um, the control thing too is, even if you've planned it all out and you've got this perfect thing, then you have all these expectations that people are going to do exactly what you thought. And they never freaking do. <laughs> it never turns out the way you think you move the first piece. And like you said, they're supposed to go left. And then, then you're freaking out. Cause you're like, they didn't do the thing that I thought they would do. Of course they didn't. Right. They were never going to. So you stress yourself out for months and months thinking that it was supposed to be one way. And I'm like going off. Some people are going to be so triggered by this part, right? It's okay. Now. They're just okay. sitting there sweating and angry. I'm sorry, <laughs> but you need to understand it's okay. Like it, the illusion is that you have control and you don't. Mm. And I've said, especially, which I'd love to shift to that place of, especially in relationship where you're literally yeah. in relationship with the most unpredictable entity on the planet 
which is another human. Mm-hmm. And so how do you see this playing out specifically relationally? Where I feel like a lot, I get a lot of men and, and anytime I talk about relationship, even though culture says men aren't interested in it, we'll have a packed call of guys showing up to talk about relationship. Where do you see these dynamics specifically playing out in relationship? And let's say for men, again, in the, in the second half of their life, so over 35, over 40, how are these dynamics playing out as a challenge in relationship? Yeah, so I love that you said that people don't think men want relationships. Men want relationships bad. They want to be loved. They want to be like, <laughs> I find that men really when you, and obviously speaking as a woman who's dated men, when when a man trusts you, he becomes like a big baby. You know, they, they want to be nurtured. They want to be taken care of, right? Mm-hmm. They want that safe space to just like not have responsibility, to not, you know, be like so in survival mode all the time. Mm-hmm. And so the challenge comes with a lot of men if they haven't had a good relationship to look at, right? Mm-hmm. Like I said in the beginning, they don't know how to connect because they've been denied connection with themselves. So they don't understand what they actually desire and they don't understand how to communicate that desire. So, but it's it's still there. It's just subconscious, right? And that's when we become passive aggressive. Or that's when our attachment styles will come out, right? So like we want connection, but we're avoidant. Mm -hmm. We just shut down. We don't know how to talk about it. He wants connection, but he doesn't know that he wants connection, doesn't know how to ask for it. So he's just ignoring you, right? Mm -hmm. And women are obviously so much more emotional and it's just because their emotions are more accepted by society. So a woman, and this is heterosexual relationships, obviously, a woman's going to try to connect with a man and try to get him to talk about things, but he's not talking about them because he just doesn't know how. Right. Completely different paradigm. Yeah, he yeah. just literally, uh, and I, yeah, I appreciate you saying that. And that, here's another thing. I just got to add this in real Sure, quick, sure, sure. Because this was like, I don't want to say an epiphany that I've had, and this will probably just offend everybody, but I'm going to say it anyway. Say it. Women will sit there and think guys are planning some big manipulative tactic or, you know, like all, like this thing, he doesn't care, he's doing this to me, and he's, and honestly, some men are just freaking stupid. They just don't understand how, it, and it's not like, oh, they're stupid, but it's just like, they just don't know, okay? So like, don't give them like all this credit of their planning this big destruction. Yeah. Some some people maybe, you sure. know, they're evil. Sure. But like most men just, they just don't, they don't know. They just right. don't know. And you need to be like a little bit open. And, and sometimes women are freaking stupid because obviously a dude will not care about you and you're just going to keep giving him chances and whatever. Mm-hmm. But like, sometimes he cares and he just doesn't know how to love you because he doesn't know how to love himself or receive love. Mm. When that lands on your desk, where do you start with that? And then I'm, I know I'm asking a super loaded question because I imagine you've run into this personally, not just professionally. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but no, what no. is the question? <laughs> <laughs> Are you asking my personal experience with this? Because I'll go off. <laughs> it's too much. <laughs> uh, let's let's since I would say I'll, it's colored by your personal experience, but professionally, when it lands in your lap of, hey, I have a partner. I don't know how to connect with her. I'm I'm this I'm your stereotypical. There's a roof overhead. There's a paycheck coming in. I don't drink too much. I I'm not abusive. I don't understand what the problem is here. And it's clear as day to you from a mile above of, 
oh, there's no connection. There's no, there's no intimacy, even though that word can be loaded. Uh, how do you start to shift that man into a frame where he sees beyond the logical, beyond the structural, beyond the, well, I get up and go to work and, and I'm not, I'm not bad. So I don't understand what the problem is. I love the example you just gave. I don't know if you've ever read No More Mr. Nice Guy. Dozens of times. Okay. Well, so the example that you just used is like the stereotypical nice guy, sure. right? He does his duty, he gets up, he goes to work, he takes care of his uh, partner. He probably does all of these, you know, chores and activities. And she doesn't get like, I don't want to say she doesn't give him sex, but like they're not intimate. Sure. Um, he doesn't feel appreciated or respected. He's like, what's wrong? I give her everything. I treat, I treat them like a queen. And usually all of the time when I see that it's because they do not do anything for themselves. And they're just subconsciously trying to gain validation and love and appreciation from their partner by doing all of these things for the other person, but they're not standing in their own power. They don't have any self-esteem. They don't have any self-confidence. They're not doing anything for themselves. They're not asking for their needs to be met. They don't have boundaries, right? So it's never just one thing. Mm. It's always a collection of things that compound. Mm. And so it always comes back to like, I, you know, I specifically had a client who was in like this situation. And the second he stopped doing the things on the list, which was very hard because he felt like the whole reason that they had the very few intimate moments that they had was because he was doing all these things on the list. I said, stop doing the things on the list. Because you're overwhelmed and you're anxious and you're stressed and you're not doing your own stuff and you're upset about this. It's not a good situation anyway. So just stop doing that and do start doing some things for yourself. They started paying more attention Mm. right to them. And this isn't like, I I feel like it sounds kind of manipulative when I say it like this, that's not like, Hey, I'm going to stop doing things for you. Now pay attention to me. It's just simply saying like, I need to start setting boundaries and doing things for myself and evening it out because a relationship is like a circle. And if you're taking up all the space in the circle, the other person has no room to come forward and connect with you, right? So you need to take a step back to yourself yeah. so that you give them space in the circle. Yeah, and if, if you're spending, if you only have a hundred units of energy and you're putting them all outward on someone else, you don't have, it's just like dollars and cents. Yep. You don't yep. have any to bring in. I would love a couple, cause I'm just trying to put my head in the guy listening. He's like, okay, cool. I'm supposed to do shit for myself. I'm 52. I've spent my entire life working for IBM and raising the kid. Like, I, I, what am I supposed to do for myself? Like, can you give some concrete examples from your practice of things, that, even if it seems like, I can't believe I have to answer this question. What are some things that men do for themselves that end up shifting some of this? Yeah, so this is the exact formula I give men after the first session, as I say, I want you to take 10, 15, 30 minutes in the morning for yourself before the world wakes up, before you start answering emails, before you get stressed out about work, right? Just for you to do something that gives you clarity, calms your nervous system, or like, you know, helps you focus. And there are only a few things that I lay out for them with this. And this is just very important for me to give them in the beginning, as I found that doing these things helps them become more in tune with themselves. And it's important to become more in tune with yourself because if you know anything about self-regulation, it's the mind-body connection. And a lot of people and a lot of men don't understand that your body holds trauma and it controls your emotional state. 
So if you can get your body into a calm state of being and start in like, obviously that is like a whole other lesson is like explaining body regulation, but these activities that are not distracting, right? So I give them like a whole list and they can choose whatever works for them. So I say, you can read for 30 minutes. You can go for a walk without any music. You can do yoga. You can meditate, you know, whatever any of those things are, because they're not distracting. It's not like watching a TV show. And it's not things like working out with heavy weights because while that is really good for your body and really releases a lot of endorphins and whatever, it still is kind of like a disconnecting exercise and it's still a little bit distracting. Mm -hmm. So in the morning, I just want people to start off with these things first to understand what it's like in a calm body. Mm. Because that sets the foundation for the rest of their day and starts to help them interpret their body's signals so that it, it, it just prefaces it for the rest of the work that I take men through. Super helpful. Thank you. Yeah, I think a lot of guys will hear this and go, without a list, I, I just don't know what to do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think it's fair. If we took a, a newbie to a gym who never worked out in their life yeah. and was like, hey, go, go do some shit, get yourself in shape. Uh, it's like, well, uh, I literally don't even know where to begin. So great yeah. start. Great start. I would love to know, you know, we have just a couple more minutes here. What do you, and I know I'm asking a woman, what do you wish men knew about men? Uh, that other men want to connect with you in a vulnerable way. Every single guy that I talk to is like, I never talk to my guy friends like this. I can't do it. Like they're not those type of, of men. Mm-hmm. And I just wonder like, what is that type of man? Does he really have to say, Hey, I want a connection with you, bro. Or like, what would happen if you just opened up once or, or hinted at it? Some, some dudes are bros, right? They're chads. They don't want to talk about it. But most of the time, most men would be open to having a deeper discussion and you can find so, so much more fulfilling relationships just by opening up to your brothers. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. I always tell the guys like lead it. You're someone's got to be the, the vulnerable one and start, you know, like microdose it. It's not like, Hey man, let's go grab a beer. And I want to talk about my deepest childhood trauma right off the <laughs> bat, you know, <laughs> go a little bit deeper of, uh, I remember a, a good buddy of mine just a couple of years ago when he asked what I was doing or how I was doing. And I said, I was fine. It's classic, right? And he goes, well, what else are you besides fine? And that was such a beautiful question because I then answered honestly. I was like, you know what? You're right. I'm, I've got these things going on. And it was just such a great transition. So I, I really appreciate you saying that. It's, it's the essence and the, the core of what I do and, and the movement is. At least for, for guys who are interested in working with you, finding out more of your information, finding out more about you, where are you hanging out? And do you have anything coming up that you can direct men to? Yeah. So I'm on basically any social media channel, but you can contact me easily through Instagram, TikTok, um, at Elise Michaels. Michaels spelled M-I-C-H-E-A-L-S. So incorrectly for those listening, you type in Michaels the other way, you're going to find some old lady or something. Um, (laughs) You'll know you're in the wrong spot. Look for a blonde haired girl. That's me. Um, And there is a lot of things coming up as far as like memberships and courses and potentially a book, but nothing uh, with a release date yet. So just connect with me and let's, let's hang out. 
one-on-one coaching on my website, but that's pretty much it for right now. Beautiful. Thank you so much for coming on. I know this is going to help men. And I really appreciate as a man, uh, your work with us, because I know there's ways and angles that uh, I can't see and I don't get to. So I really do appreciate just having someone in our corner. It, It means a lot. So thank you. And thank you for coming on. Thank you so much. I appreciate being here. This is Trevor Bohm signing off on another episode of the Uncivilized Podcast. If you enjoyed this, please give us a share. Give us a five-star rating on iTunes. And if you're interested in getting a hold of my book, Man Uncivilized, whether you're a man or a woman, please go to www.manuncivilized.com forward slash the book and get reading.